The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked the Holy One of Israel into anger. They're gone away backward. And then in verses 5 and following, he talks about some of the the results that have happened to the nation of Israel because they have forgotten their God. They don't consider Him anymore. And so this morning, I want us to take a, a look at at things that, that we don't consider. Verse 3, again, it says, The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. What, I, what is he saying here is that dumb animals know who takes care of them, but the nation of Israel had lost sight of who took care of them. The, look at the two dumb animals he's talking about here. The ox and a donkey. These are beasts of burden. These are animals that they, they would come under the yoke of their, their masters. They would come under uh, a burden for their master. And yet, they knew who that master was. They didn't rebel against him. They knew that he was the one that provided a stall, a shelter. Uh, if you've ever grown up on a farm, you know or had anything much to do with farms, you know that animals will come to the barn when it comes time for food. They know where that food is going to be. They know where the watering trough is. And yet God says, the ox, the donkey, they know their master, but my people don't know. They don't know where they're going to get their, their food or their shelter or their protection. They don't recognize who they answer to. That's a sad state, especially for the nation of Israel that God had done so much for in past years. Look at verse 3 again. The ox knoweth his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. I'm going to offer a paraphrase for that last bit of there. It goes something like this. There's no intimate knowledge or deep-rooted understanding of God among His people. They don't seem to understand at all that the things that they have, uh, the things that the blessings that they've always been uh, able to enjoy for generation after generation, they don't seem to understand where that came from. And they're not giving God uh, the honor that was due Him. Directly, Isaiah was talking to Middle Eastern Jews about 3,800 years ago, somewhere along in there. Indirectly, I think he's predicting the behavior of 21st century Americans. I think he's predicting the behavior of 21st century North Carolinians. I think he's predicting the behavior of 21st century, I don't know how you say, Alamance Countyans. And it might get closer if we kept going. It's going to step closer and closer to us till we start to wiggle a little bit if we really think about it. Because sometimes we don't fail. Or we don't consider the Lord the way we should. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at some things that we too often fail to consider ourselves. And look at the, uh, the effects of that. Before we go any further, let's pray once more. Father, thank you again for allowing us to look into your word. Father, these are sobering words uh, that, uh, that you spoke to the people, uh, the Jewish people, so many years ago through Isaiah. Your people that you've done so much for, they failed to consider uh, the ox, the donkey, they knew their master. But the people that you'd done so much for, they didn't seem to know you. They didn't seem to remember you. They didn't, in their, in their time, uh, take the time to honor you, to glorify you, to worship you the way they should. And Lord, we know that we can fall into that same category. They were the people of God. They were the people that you had chosen. And as Christians, so are we. We're the people that you've chosen. We're the people that you've saved. You've brought us 
into the family of God. So we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to, to see some things today that maybe we, we don't spend as much time as we should considering and that we would go back to where we remember you. The God who saved us, the God who loves us, the God who sustains us, the God who alone is worthy of our worship and our praise. Bring us back to that point, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think the first thing that we can look at this morning, that uh, things that we may fail to consider, is we may fail to consider what we personally have been delivered from. Because if we considered it more often, we'd be a lot less judgmental sometimes, wouldn't we? If we remembered where we came from. Do you remember who you were? Or what you were before the Lord saved you? Can you remember that back that far? Kevin was talking about how young he was when he got saved this morning. I was, I was that young when I got saved a long time ago. I still had dark hair. I could still move a lot more without grunting and groaning and that sort of thing. But if you need a refresher on who we were before the Lord saved us, I'm going to remind you out of the Scriptures. You don't have to turn to these verses. There's a lot of turning back and forth. I'll just read this. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12 tell us a little bit about who we were before we were saved. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. He's talking about us there. I don't like it when people talk to me such ne- in such <laughs> negative terms. But that's the, that was the truth of the Word of God. That's who I was. And in, uh, Paul, also speaking in Romans, Romans 3.23, he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That, 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 I was included in there. And then he says it again in Romans 5.12, as, as though we didn't already get it. All have sinned. That's who we were. That's who we was before we were saved. It's not, a, it's not a pretty picture, is it? But when we forget our past, we forget what lost people need, don't we? We forget that they need the same things we did. They needed God, or they need God's forgiveness. They don't need our condemnation. That doesn't help them at all, does it? They need the Word of God that can save them, don't they? And we have to remember, God didn't save us to be judges. He saved us to be witnesses, didn't He? And He went further than that. He saved us to be humble witnesses. And when we go back into the book of Romans, when we look at those verses again, that, that's very humiliating, isn't it? To remember who we were, that's a very humbling experience. He calls us to be witnesses. So if we would remember, if we would consider what we've been delivered from more often, we'd be a lot less judgmental, wouldn't we? Another thing that I think we often fail to consider, we fail to consider the cost of our redemption. Otherwise, we'd be a whole lot more thankful people, wouldn't we? We just came back from Thanksgiving, from that holiday. If we remember, uh, yes, we've been delivered. We remember what we've been delivered from, but we need to remember the cost of that as well. Uh, scripture teaches us that salvation is free. It's free to anyone who chooses to put their trust in Jesus Christ. But it came at an awful cost, didn't it? It came at an awful cost. I'm going to read you some verses that, that give us a kind of a flavor of what that cost was. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, Christ died for our sins. That seems like you can just pass over that really quickly. Will he die? People die all the time. People die every day. But his was a little different death than anyone else's, wasn't it? It wasn't by natural causes, shall we say. Hebrews 13.12 tells us Jesus, that he might uh, might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Somehow that term suffered 
That doesn't quite cover it either, does it? He didn't just die, he suffered. He suffered an agonizing death, didn't he? The Gospels spare us the details. They simply say, well, Jesus was crucified. And in the world we live in, we can pass right over that word too, can't we? The Gospels don't, don't provide the details. Well, that's okay with us because Hollywood is, is more than happy to provide us all the gory details if we want to go to see their latest movie about the Lord Jesus' suffering, don't we? But history tells us very clearly, without, without Hollywood's representation of it, that was a very gruesome form of death that Jesus suffered for us. It was probably, some tell us that it was probably the most cruel form of punishment or cru- uh, execution ever developed. I think it came directly out of the pit of hell because it was designed to, to create the most possible pain and suffering while keeping a victim alive. And Jesus went through that. He didn't just die. He didn't just suffer. He went through an incredible amount of suffering. But you know what's even worse? Matthew 27, verse 46 tells us that God the Father had forsaken Him when He was on the cross. That was far worse than any kind of pain that would have ever been inflicted on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was separated for that period of time, a period of hours from His Father. The God the Son had never experienced that kind of separation from God. Let me bring it home. None of us have ever experienced that kind of total separation from God yet either, have we? And if we've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we never will. But even a lost person, as long as they're drawing breath on this planet, they have access to the throne of God. All they have to do is say, Lord, save me. I want to believe. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ and they can be saved. But once we take that last breath, If someone has never trusted Christ, they experience that total separation from God that the Lord Jesus did on the cross. And they will understand at that point that agony that He went through. So we need to stop and consider sometimes the cost of our redemption. And then we would be more thankful. And we'll be more thankful, let's put it in these terms, when we stop and think, not just about the cost, but when we stop and think that Jesus left His glory in heaven when He came to earth to take that form of a human being. But when He left the earth, He left His blood on the earth. He left His glory in heaven. He left His blood here. It was shed for us. And He did both of those things willingly. He did both of those things because that was the only way we could be saved because there is no other way. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ only. We put our trust in Him, our faith in Him alone. We can be born again into God's family. But that cost of redemption is something that we certainly should consider from time to time. It ought to be constantly in front of us, shouldn't it? It'd make us a lot more thankful people. A third thing that I think we often fail to consider is our relationship with the Lord. Because if we thought more about that, we'd be a lot more restful people, wouldn't we? If we thought about just the relationship we enjoy with the Lord. What is that relationship? 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you're the body of Christ, and members in particular. We are one with Christ. We are part of His body. Some of us might be, if we, if we use the, the figure of our body, some might be a little toe, a middle finger, a, a palm of a hand. Some of us, the Lord can use us in different ways. Just like I can use different parts of my body. I can kick a ball. I can't kick one really good. I never could. But I can kick one with one of my feet. You don't kick a ball with your hand, do you? But I can swing a mean hammer with this hand. I can turn a screwdriver with this hand. I can do things with my mind. 
And the Lord puts us in his body in ways that we serve him in different ways, doesn't he? But the, the important thing is we are a part of his body. That's the relationship we have with him. First John 3 and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has be- hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. We're children of God. That's the relationship we have with him. We need to keep consider that day by day, shouldn't we? Psalm 55 and verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Literally, that means to slip or fall. It doesn't say we won't make, we might have be shifted here and there, but he's not going to let us slip and fall, not back into sin. Never. He's delivered us from that. He has delivered us, and we have a relationship to him as his children, as the children of God. Now, Satan, the world around us, even our sinful natures, conspire day after day after day to make us restless, don't they? We'll never, if we, if we just rely on our old natures, we'll never be satisfied with anything. And you know, we were talking about, we just came back from th- uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. We're not going to be thankful for stuff if we let the devil, if we let the world around us, or even our old natures, rule in our lives. We won't be thankful for things. We'll constantly be looking for something better, or something different, or whatever. But if we rely on our relationship, if we rest on that relationship we have with God, we can be restful. We don't have to be constantly looking for something else. We can enjoy the rest from the Lord when we consider that relationship. So that's something that we should, we should be sure that we're considering from time to time. A fourth thing that I think we too often fail to consider as Christians, we fail to consider our privileges as children of God. We know that relationship. Now we just talked about it. But as children of God, we have privileges, don't we? And if we, if we would consider that more often, I think we'd be more confident in serving the Lord. I'm going to read you some verses. Galatians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7 read like this. Because your sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We get to use that term, as it were, Abba, Father. And that Abba, that term, it's, a, it's a, the old uh, term of the language. The old language, it's like the first uh, word that a baby would say. Instead, we, ours would say, Daddy, maybe. It's Abba, Father. We're His children, and we get to use that endearing term with Him. Uh, the world around us doesn't get to use that term, and they wouldn't understand it if they got to but we can hold that because we have that privilege as children of God. Romans 8, verses 15 through 17, we read this. You have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, again, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are joint heirs in the family of God. We have an inheritance. And a, a, the, one of the most important things we think of with that inheritance certainly is eternal life. To be absent from this body is to be present with our Lord. That's hard to imagine, I know, in these, in these uh, bodies that we live in, but that's what we have to look forward to. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and, and to help in time of need. We have that access to the Lord. That, we're talking about the privileges we have as being a part of God's family. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6 tell us, He, that is God, hath said, I will never leave thee, 
nor forsake thee. Isn't that not the best news you've heard today? He will never leave us nor forsake us. It also says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We don't have to be afraid of what comes next because we have confidence. We have a relationship with our God. And when we, when we focus on that, we become more confident in serving Him. You remember the story of uh, the three, uh, refer, we usually refer, refer to them as the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar there in Babylon, he had, he had uh, put forth an edict, he had built this, this idol. We're not told exactly what the idol was. I don't know if it was a representation of himself or, or a God, one of the gods that they worshipped, but he said, this is beautiful. And he called all his counselors and he said, this is a beautiful statue. And they said, oh, this is great. Let's just, it is so wonderful, let's have everybody worship it. And so they said, when you hear the music, they send an edict out, when you hear a certain set of music, then you bow down to this idol and you worship it. And if you don't, you'll be cast immediately that day, at that same time, you'll be cast into the fiery furnace. And these three Hebrews who've been brought up to serve one God, they said, nah, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to bow down to an idol. I'm sorry. And, and the, the answer was, well, don't you understand you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace? You remember what they said? Well, yeah, our God's able to deliver us out of that furnace. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your idol. We're going to continue to serve our God. That is the kind of confidence we have in serving the Lord when we recognize the privileges that we have as his children. He will see us through these things. He will always see us through. So we need to be careful that we consider that. Uh, a fifth thing that I think we often maybe forget to consider as much as we ought to is our responsibility as servants of God. If we consider that as often as we, as we should, we'd be a little bit more diligent as being watchmen for the Lord, wouldn't we? Remember that passage in Ezekiel? It tells us about our responsibility. Ezekiel 33, verses 6 to 8, read like this. If the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. It's a watchman who is supposed to be looking out, right? He said, So thou, O son of man, I've set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. He says, Ezekiel, this is very important. I need you to listen to me. You are a servant. You're a watchman. I'm going to give you the word, and it is your job to take that word to the people who need to hear it. It was not Ezekiel's responsibility whether they heeded that word or not. It wasn't their watchman, the watchman standing on the wall watching to see if a foreign enemy was coming to attack a city. It wasn't their responsibility. If they sounded the warning, if no one heeded it, if people were popping up like prairie dogs, oh, what enemy? And they get shot down, that's their problem. It's the watchman's job to warn them, isn't it? It's our job as Christians then to watch out for the souls of the people around us who are lost. We have to warn them. We share the gospel with them. And that's what churches like this one do. We share the gospel message and we pray that the Lord would make that message effective and that people would come to know Christ, don't we? Because of what happens if they don't. They face a Christless eternity in the lake of fire, don't they? Mark chapter 6 and verse 15 we're told, um, 
And he, that is Jesus, said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a great commission. That's our, We're the watchmen. We're supposed to be sharing the word of God with the whole world. Now our visitors this morning that were telling us that they saw at, uh, their, their members at Beacon Baptist and they, they got a chance to meet uh, <laughs> Armando last week. That completely left me. And so we are able to share with people like Armando and Renato and uh, others who share the gospel in parts of the world that we may never even visit. That's part of that commission as being the watchman of God. We have that responsibility to see that the gospel goes out to the people who need to hear it, don't we? It's been said that all who have received the gospel become custodians of it and are responsible to the master for it. I like that. I couldn't have said that as well. As the, and I don't remember where I got that quote. I don't know about you, but I, I read things sometimes and I write them down and I forget to write who said them. And, and usually when I was just an engineer, that didn't matter. But when I'm standing here, I, I feel like I need to be able to tell you who said that, but I, don't, I simply don't remember. But I'll, I'll read it again. All who have received the gospel become custodians of it and are responsible for the master to it. We are responsible to the Lord, aren't we? We need to consider that responsibility as watchmen and as witnesses. We need to consider that frequently so that we will be more diligent. A sixth thing that uh, I think that sometimes we fail to consider is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because if we considered that a little more, we'd maybe be a little more fruitful. Kevin was talking about the fruit of the Spirit this morning in Sunday school. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 says, uh, I know ye, or it says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God. The Holy Spirit lives within us, doesn't he? It's a responsibility. We need to recognize that. Galatians 5, 22 and verse 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of those fruits of the Spirit work through us, God working those through our lives. We can't generate those, the fruits of the Spirit ourselves, but we can hinder them. If we don't consider that the Holy Spirit lives within us as His temple, and we do things to, to quench the Spirit's working in our lives, we can certainly hinder the fruit of the Spirit coming through us, can't we? So we need to consider uh, that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us and we need to allow Him to work through our lives. Ephesians 4, verses 30 to 32, read like this, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. That tells me He can be grieved by, by the things that we do, the things that we say, the way we live our lives. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those are ugly things, aren't they? And then he says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. So we talked about that I think last Sunday night. Sometimes it's hard to forget. But when we start considering what the Lord forgave us of for Jesus' sake, uh, it makes it a little easier to forgive other people, doesn't it? And to overlook the, uh, their failures. So failure to consider the gift of the Holy Spirit, it does hinder our fruitfulness. And we want to be fruitful as Christians, don't we? A seventh thing that I think that uh, we can often fail to consider as much as we ought to is the glory to come. Because if we, if we thought more about that, 
I think we'd spend more time worshiping the Lord, wouldn't we? If we just reminded ourselves of the glory that's coming. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We have never seen Jesus Christ with these eyes, but we will one day. We'll see Him like He is, and we'll be like Him. We'll have glorified bodies like Him, and we need to keep that in mind. Because I'll tell you what, the world we live in can suck all the joy out of you. It can, it can become a drudgery, and if we're not careful, it'll get us to take our spiritual eyes off of our Lord. And we forget what it is we're, we're working for. I, I was telling Robin the other day, I used to work with a, a gentleman that he had a picture uh, uh, of his family on his desk. And there was, uh, there was a, a caption on the picture frame or something like, this is why I come in every day. And he reminded himself, I go to work at a job that I don't particularly like. Uh, dealing with people who are very unlikable sometimes, dealing with situations that can be very unlikable, but I do it because I love my family and I want to make a provision for them. We, we have a whole lot more to, to work for for the Lord, don't we? Think of all that waits us at the end of this life as children of God, of what we have. We need to remember that glory to come. First Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17 read like this, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of, an, of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then it gets better, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's coming a time when we will never be separated from Him. We talked about earlier that, that separation that the Lord Jesus had from God the Father when He, he died to pay the price for our sins. There's going to come a time where we'll never be separated from God. And there will be nothing that can separate us from His actual presence. Now, we can never be separated from Him now because we're told Scripture makes it very clear. If we've trusted Jesus Christ, we have eternal life now. But it's here on this earth. It's here on a sin-cursed earth. It's here where there's pain and there's difficulty and there's trouble. And there are people who will rub your fur the wrong way just for the fun of it. And there's all of these things that we have difficulty with, but there's coming a time when we won't ever be separated from Him and, and things uh, will be, well, they'll look a lot better, won't they? So we need to consider the glory to come because if we fail, if we fail to consider the glory of the God we serve, it leads us to a point where we fail to praise Him the way we ought to, doesn't it? We don't worship God the way we ought to if we, keep, if we take our eyes off of Him. If we fail to consider that. When our praise and our worship suffer, so does the witness of the church. It suffers, doesn't it? When we don't praise God the way we ought to, when we don't worship the way we ought to, the, the witness of the testimony of our church suffers. And when the church's witness suffers, lost souls go into eternity still lost in that lost condition. And we never want that to happen, do we? They die in their sins when we lose the testimony that a local church should have. So the glory to come is something we ought to consider. We ought to consider it often so that we will spend more time worshiping the Lord and serving Him the way we ought to. God told Isaiah uh, they were His chosen people. He told them they failed to consider their blessings. He told them that uh, they failed to consider the God that they should be serving. Not just the blessings, but the God who provided all the blessings. 
So what would he tell us today in America? What do you think he would have to say to us? Or what would he say to those of us in America who name the name of Jesus Christ? And we say that we worship Him. We say that we adore Him. We say that we are His people. We are servants. Would He tell us that we're failing to consider His blessings? I'm afraid sometimes He would. I hope the answer is the, the longer we're saved and the more mature we become as Christians, the, the fewer instances there would be when we forget our blessings. Would He say that we're so tangled up with the world that we fail to recognize our Lord in everything that happens to us? Would he say that we're so tangled up in the world that we fail to enjoy the Lord? Sometimes. I think sometimes he does. We can get so tangled up in the, in the problems that we have that I don't think we enjoy the Lord the way we should. Could, would he say to us that we are so tangled up with the things of the world that we forget to worship him the way we ought to? I'm afraid sometimes he does. Would he say that we get so tangled up in the world sometimes that we forget to serve him the way we ought to? That's when things get really bad, doesn't it? Because He called us to be watchmen. He called us to be servants and to share His Word with other people. I think He could make that, that condemnation on us just as He did to the people of Israel through Isaiah. But the good thing is, Isaiah shared, or God shared a remedy with Isaiah. Look, you're still in Isaiah 1, I hope. Look at verse 18. Here's a remedy. Come now. And let us, pre- let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, oh, it doesn't matter what you've done. You come back to me, let's reason together. If you've sinned, I can forgive that. You're still my people. And he tells us that as Christians. But he also reaches out and, and extends that invitation to anyone who's lost. He says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as wool. All you've got to do is trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you've let the world, as Christians, you've let the world come in and and distract you too much and you're not enjoying the Lord and and these things that we've been talking about, if you fail to consider those, go back. We we have do-overs with the Lord, don't we? He is long-suffering. He is forgiving. He is merciful and gracious, and He calls us to come back. If you're here this morning by any chance and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, today would be a good day to do that. And get that taken care of, because He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as wool. I'll wash them away, and you'll never have to deal with them again. Father, thank You for allowing us to look into Your Word. We thank You for the words that uh, You gave Isaiah to the the people of Israel uh, many, many uh, centuries ago. We thank you, Lord, they apply to us as well. And we pray that you'd help us as Christians to examine our lives. If there are things in our lives that we're failing to consider, we pray you'd bring them back to mind. And that the Holy Spirit would nudge us with those things. That you would uh, enliven our consciences so that they would uh, point us in the right direction. We pray, Lord, that we would consider uh, our Master, our Lord, our Savior, our God, the one uh, that we owe all allegiance to. Help us to consider you, Lord, all, not just the things you've done for us, but the things you are to us and the relationship we have with you. But Father, if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we pray that you would touch their heart. We pray that you'd show them that because there is a day coming that anyone who leaves this life without trusting Jesus Christ, they will be totally and forever separated from the love of God without hope of repentance beyond that point. So we pray that you might move in that way as well and bring, draw lost souls to yourself. 
go with us as we go our separate ways. We pray that you might be with us and that we take these words to heart and take them with us. And that, uh, Lord, just let us honor you in the things that we do in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.